29 and 28. Remanded in custody. There's something ripping curious about this broadcast. Welcome back to the 80s with the garbage pod. Hello everybody, welcome to the Garbage Pod for the second instalment of the Acceptable in the 80s show. Once again, I'm not on my own, as on the line should be Adri Bullholt Mallows. How you doing, fella? I'm doing good, Mark. How about yourself, young man? Yeah, not too bad. Been a bit busy, but uh, you know how it is. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Just started a new job and it's been hectic busy, but uh, but good like learning and working and it just days are flying by at the moment, so all good. Oh, excellent. Right, since your last appearance on the Garbage Pod, you've been working on some projects, haven't you? Uh, I have indeed, and thanks for mentioning. I've been working on uh, my own website, which is hosting the my weekly NFL blog, uh, The Lowdown. I've been doing that now for... This is my second season of doing it. Um, luckily, we've had over a 1,000 views so far, so I'm very proud of that achievement, and hopefully roll on the next 1,000, really. And also, this year, I'm also a chance in my arm and trying to see if I can manage a podcast as well which we do weekly um, just a roundup of all of the week's NFL action plus we do a few little awards that we like to give out um, to players with outstanding performances so they're like our defensive impact player of the week and same for offence it's at uh, www.ballhawksnest.weebly.com so if you like your NFL or you want to have a look and see what it's all about check it out and um, let me know what you think there's plenty of feedback forms on the website or there's an email link as well so let me know what you think excellent excellent right after enjoying his debut on the last show john Witz was mad enough to come back how you doing john completely mad as ever how you doing Mark? <laughs> yeah fine um we wasn't sure if john was going to be able to make it on the show tonight for two reasons one we had a few technical difficulties this evening and secondly you've had some workmen in haven't you yeah, I've just had my entire house completely rewired, which has been a truly emotional experience, but I got it's done. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. Regular listeners to TGP Extra will know that recently the Garbage Pod crew had what the CB fraternity call an eyeball, which means a social gathering where you meet people that you've been talking to on the CB, or in our case, via Skype. This took place at the Letchworth Garden City Beer and Cider Festival. Did you both have a good evening, fellas? Absolutely. Yeah, great evening, and it was a pleasure to meet you, John, and good to speak to you again this evening, sir. And to you, blank check in the post. <laughs> oh, thank you, mate. Cheers. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, highlights from the evening's events will be featured in a Garbage Pod show very soon. Did you get a picture of the awesome burger? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> The um, well, when you could see it underneath all the other stuff that was <laughs> was there. Oh, that was the hot dog. Oh yeah. <laughs> the hot dog hat was coated with lots of cheese, salad, onions, ketchup. Oh, it was literally like I got it at a ballpark in America. It was amazing. You're listening to the Garbage Pod. Regular listeners might also recall that I made an appearance on the Paul Edwards Internet Radio Show a couple of weeks back. Well, the Garbage Pod has been given another mention on the show this week. Well, Mark Taylor 
uh, here says uh, my mum was prescribed Maccasins when she was pre now I've heard of this yes yeah, when she was well. pregnant with yeah. me because of the iron content it explains a lot about me really <laughs> do you know that's fascinating Mark uh, I spoke to Mark a few weeks ago, Clive. Uh, yes. he, he actually does a podcast himself called the, called, called the Garbage Pod. Right. I've listened to it. It isn't garbage. There is a reason, uh, but I'll let him explain to you sometime. Uh, but funnily enough, Mark, you were saying that. Yes, I've heard that in the past. So you are a Mackerson's baby. And have you tried any since then yourself? Because yeah. I think you should. To yeah, be honest I'm, with. I'm, I've heard pregnant women have been prescribed yeah. it. Years ago. Yeah. Years yeah. ago. Yeah, before this healthy... Before uh, health and safety yeah. and all that sort of thing, mm. yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're only supposed to have one can, love. <laughs> um, it was so like the Cup cartoon, wasn't it? He, he was only allowed a pint after meals, so his mate said, well, how are you taking that? I said, well, you try eating 16 meals a day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Stuart says, um, was given tickets for status quo. Good show, but so many old buggers in denim yeah, weren't they good in the 70s quo they were oh. I thought it was a sad day when they were banned from Radio 1 yeah oh they? dear they used to be really really good yeah they do and, and they go so far back I remember yeah. as a kid in the late 60s and uh, yeah down the dust pipe and paper plane yeah and then they got into uh, Caroline and down down and yeah mystery machine mystery song and all that lot yeah, yeah you're in the army go. now Oh, that was later, though. Yes, it was, was yeah, but they, was they, they have changed a bit. Yeah, but, but in the heyday, when they were doing, like, uh, roll over, lay down, and let me... Yeah, there was one in the late 60s that, uh, when I was a kid, that I really did like by them, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, and it won't come back to me. <laughs> yes, Mark Taylor has said... Pictures of Max Dickman. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes. It was, that was the one. Thank yes. you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And, uh... Yeah, don't forget, Mark, call in some other time. It would be nice to hear from you. Great conversation when you called in the other week. And I have listened to your shows and uh, really did enjoy it. But anyway, that's just us just about there, isn't it, mate? Well, there you go. What did you make of that? Um, that was really interesting, actually. It was actually a very strange show because um, it's... Um, Paul does this thing every fortnight where he has a beer show and he has this... Uh, his sidekick with him, Clive, and um, Clive was talking about he tried to make some marrow rum. <laughs> marrow rum? Yeah, and it went wrong, and it went all vinegary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did they have any chips on standby? Or? <laughs> but he's going to have another go next year when, when he's... when his uh, marrows have grown again, if you excuse the <laughs> pun. Um... <laughs> Right, thanks to Paul for giving the Garbage Pod another plug. Uh, what I'll do is I'll add the Paul Edwards show to the links page on the Garbage Pod website. Excellent, I'll be sure to check it out. This is the Garbage Pod. What we're going to do right here is go back. After listening back to part one of Vixable in the 80s, I realised what was missing from the show was some input from somebody who grew up in the 1980s from a different part of the world. But what are the chances of that happening? Hello, Mark. It's Lloyd here from Bailey's Banter. Uh, I thought I'd send you a contribution for your 80s show on the Garbage Pod. Um, and just some things that I'd sort of noticed and, and things that reminded me, me particularly, of the 80s. Thanks, Lloyd. Uh, what did you have in mind? I was thinking along the lines of when I was a kid... 
everything compared with today seemed bigger. Now, you could say that was an obvious thing because everything was so much more large than than uh, I am now in size. You know, when you're a child, everything looks big. But I'm talking about the things that... Um, when you get uh, something, for example, um, a McDonald's burger, they were definitely bigger. It wasn't just a perception thing. Everything seems to have shrunk. And also with um, uh, the size of little things that may not be noticed, sausage rolls were longer. Pies were taller and higher and had real meat in them instead of these um, mystery items that we have in them today. I just seem to remember that everything tasted better and it was fresher and it was harder to get uh, junk. There wasn't so much of a, uh, a variety in certain things. We had uh, things that I miss are things like the sweets when you went to the, the lolly shop on the corner. Well, it was a milk bar. You could get a, I was going to say a cocktail then, but that's not true. You could get a milkshake. Um, or a pie, or um, you know, a cake, or something like that, or even um, a sandwich if you wanted. But they also had one entire section of the, well, the, the counter or the display, if you will, devoted to loose sweets or lollies. Um, and you could say, I'll have two of those, and three of these, and um, six of those, and one of those, and and they all cost a cent. So. When you got a dollar's worth of mixed lollies, that was a hundred mixed lollies. Well, they didn't all cost a cent, but you know, some of them were three and five cents. But you got a fairly substantial bag, and that was to share with your friends. If you got two dollars worth of mixed lollies, it was a massive sack almost that you would buy for a party if you had a birthday party happening. And you just don't get that anymore. You seem to get a, a finite number of sweets in a bag. Um, and they're not as good as they were. That's the other thing I, I tend to, 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 to hold on to. Jelly babies are nothing like they used to be. Chocolates aren't the same. Pineapple chunks, all those sort of lollies. They've really and jelly beans, even jelly beans, aren't the same as they used to. They don't taste right anymore. It's all this sort of, you know. Um, low sugar and low fat and I wouldn't have thought there was any fat in jelly babies but obviously there are maybe it's the gelatin side of things that they have to do it but I'm not sure if there were and what annoys me is they've changed it all and they're not as nice as they once were so that, that was actually quite interesting what uh, Lloyd was, was saying there really um, when he was talking about things not being as big now as they once were um, I think we've got a classic example of that in this country. With... Rick Astley? <laughs> He's definitely not as big as he used to be. <laughs> um, wagon wheels. Yes. They used to be massive. They literally, you could have like, you'd spend ages, you'd try and nibble around the edges to make it last. And it would just last like a good five minutes whereas now it's kind of gone in two bites some of our overseas listeners might not know what a wagon wheel is um the best way to describe it to our american friends is it's a little bit like a moon pie but not quite as big um it's basically um a cookie base with marshmallow and jam and chocolate isn't it really 
Yeah, in, in a disc uh, disc shape. <laughs> it's a disc shape of goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and the difference between that and a moon pie. Um, I don't know if if you guys are familiar with moon pies. Not the sweet not, no. variety. <laughs> moon pies are like, well, wagon wheels. But if you imagine two wagon wheels on top of each other. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's a moon pie. Blimey. <laughs> I like the sound of this. So, uh, so boss, are you going to get us some moon pies for the next show? Is that a treat? <laughs> Christmas. Christmas is soon. Yeah, Christmas, yeah, very true. Yeah, plus my birthday, so. Well, actually, week's time or so, it's trickle treat. Yeah. Hit, hit nudge, I'll have to try and I'll have to try and get some imported <laughs> from America. I could probably do a trade because one of the guys um, who uh, does another podcast actually does it about movies and um, things like that is uh, widescreen John uh, over in Pennsylvania, um, and he has a craving for round trees fruit gums, which he's having difficulty getting over in America. Really? So I might be able to do an exchange. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That'd be awesome work if you could. I, I would. I would demolish a moon pie in about five seconds. I, <laughs> I think another thing, though, here in the UK is um, jaffa cakes. There doesn't seem to be half as much in them as there used to be. No, uh, it, it used to be same. really orangey, but now you've just got a tiny, thin layer now, and that's about it. Yeah, that's it. And the penny sweets. Gone are the days where you could take 20p down the shop, as he was saying, and then get a decent portion of sweets. Now, if you take 20p to the old uh, pick and mix section, you're, you're lucky to get two lollies. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of the corner shops still do penny sweets anymore, do they? No, the, the closest thing we've got is there's a, a shop, and I'm sure they'll appreciate the plug, there's a shop in Tame called Sweet Surrender, which is like a really old school sweet shop, so you can go in there and you can buy like a jar of sweets for about a £5. And it has everything in there. From you remember, like the old hundreds and thousand covered chocolate buttons. Oh, what I call? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, spongs or something. No, no, they were like the jelly they have ones. Like the chocolate mice, uh, cola bottles. Um, they've got imported stuff as well. So they've got your Reese's peanut butter cups. They've got. Remember nerds? They've got nerds in there as well. You can keep your Reese's chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I will do. Thanks. <laughs> it's rubbish. <laughs> it's all about the peanut butter. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I've had uh, Reese's um, stuff, and what's the other one that they have in America? I can't remember the name of the company now. It's Hershey's. Hershey's chocolate, chocolate. yeah. Yeah, Hershey's is disgusting, but Reese's is alright, even though it's still the same company. Mm, yeah, we have got uh, an oldie worldy sweet shop type thing here, haven't we, John? We've got the. Um, oh, what's it called? Is it Annie's? Annie's Chocolate Emporium. Oh, yes, we do, and I think there's a couple. Um, in Hitchin. I don't I, know if they do like penny sweets, but they do do the old-fashioned, you know, sort of confectionery jars. I think the one in Hitchin is a chain store. Um, oh, is it? The oldie shop, the oldie sweetie shoppy, or whatever it's called. Mr. Somebody's oldie worldie sweetie shoppy thing type of jobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, let's not forget as well, when we used to have the underground shops in, in Friars Square. We used to have an old-fashioned sweet shop there in Aylesbury, didn't we? Yeah, the, the underground market. Um, yeah, originally the underground market was absolutely fantastic uh, in the 80s, so it is relevant. The, the underground market was superb. They had a magic shop there. Do you remember Mike's Magic, Adric? 
I don't, to be honest, but I was quite young. When, if it had been in the 80s, I was still quite young when I was coming over here to see my dad. Yeah, so. yeah. But it, it sold, you know, magic sets and all kinds of stuff. And, and a whole wall of those, you know, the, the, the joke stuff that you always used to get down at the seaside? Yes, yeah. What, like the, the sick and the hats and the wands and stuff like that? And the chewing gum that used to turn your mouth a funny colour and that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Own <laughs> yeah. soap when you wash your hands, your hands go black. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff. But it, it was, it was, it was a brilliant, just covered market. A bit like the one in Stevenage, John. Oh right, okay. Um, but now, it, well, it's not there at all now. Uh, it, when they had the, the the revamp of the, the shopping centre in in Aylesbury, they uh, renamed it the Cloisters to try and give it this more of a upper class feel to it mm. and they they had this um uh sweet shop in there and they sold pretty much everything didn't they adri you could literally go in there and say i'll have a quarter of apple drops or whatever and you'd get exactly that they had all of the jars all the all of the sweets just up on the shelves they had about three or four shelves didn't they mm. that were just um they must have been a good four six meter shelves all the way across just stacked with the jars it's literally everything that used to used to get jawbreakers to work. But it's, it's rather a shame because the whole of that shopping arcade has now been closed, so that um, there's going to be a new H and M superstore in Aylesbury, and they're going to use that for their storeroom. Yeah, so, that's not good. So the whole of the Cloisters is now going to be H and M storeroom. It's really shocking. Well, it's ironic because when I hear Cloisters, I think clown shoes. So that pretty much must have been who it was that had that thought. Must have been a complete and total clown shoes is the politest word I can use for them. Uh, it's the same guy who came up with the idea to shut down Jardines, actually. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, okay, then I'm being very polite when I call him just a clown shoes. <laughs> um, to anybody who doesn't know, Jardines used to be the bowling alley in um, in Aylesbury, and it was there for... Oh, Probably 50 years, I would yeah, have said. Yeah, a long, long time. Um, it's had a couple of revamps over the years, but, I mean, um, it was a fantastic place to go, and now there is no... They're going on about getting kids involved in this, that, and the other, but there's nothing there for them to get involved in now. No, plus Jardines was a good, cheap first date. True story. <laughs> <laughs> when you got into the fourth year... Uh, at my secondary school you had a choice of what you wanted to do for sports and one of your options was to go to Jardines and do Tempin Bowling Really? <laughs> yeah, you got subsidised it was 65p for a game Yeah <laughs> Right. So what you did you, you, you didn't go to afternoon registration you went straight into town but you had to bring your school sheets back to prove that you'd actually been up there so... Oh, um, right. <laughs> the idea of the, the idea of the game wasn't to get the highest score it was to finish the game as quickly as possible so you could bugger off around the town <laughs> nice we used to get minibuses over to Leisure World actually we used to funny to say that we did the same sort of thing they used to ship us off to I think again it was probably in the fourth year you know they used to ship us off to, to Leisure World to go and do bowling for what was supposed to be a PE lesson and then we'd all have to like minibus it back to so they obviously didn't trust us because we had a minibus there and a minibus back. Yeah, we made our own way. It's just a little bit up from town, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, it's not that far. That was a good fun, but uh, yeah, it's no more. What else was 
Lloyd saying in there about the things that don't taste like they used to, which they don't. Um, I think I might have mentioned it in the, in the last episode about um, them re- bringing out Umbongo. And, uh, yeah, you did. You said they were bringing that back out again. And they've taken all the E numbers out of it, so it's going to taste absolutely rubbish. But, absolutely. Uh, There's a golden rule, really, I, I kind of follow, and that is if it's really bad for you, it's going to taste absolutely amazing. <laughs> And if they won't have done anything to it. It's just natural, but well, it it, had, it goes to show with the with the things like um, medicines, different medicines that taste absolutely foul, but they're great for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like iron, iron medicine. I I used to have to have that when I was a kid, and uh, it tasted really awful. It, it's it was like drinking liquidized lamb's liver or something uh, yeah. <laughs> cod liver oil tablets I seem to remember as well yeah there was always a packet of soft mints on standby afterwards <laughs> oh, for us dad, dad loves his extra strong mints mate that's what it was that we always had on standby yeah he always had about, must have had about five packets in the house at a time he'd have one for the car one for walking down the street I think he bought an extra pack in case he had to give anyone extra strong mints because he didn't like giving them up the only problem with uh, the extra strong mints is that you forget that you've just had one and then you have a drink. <laughs> yeah, wow, it's such a sensation, isn't it? That, that minty freshness flavour that you get and the, the, the burn, sort of chill that comes over the mouth. The burning sensation. Yeah, great feeling. I think we should all go out and do it. <laughs> Got extra strong mints handy there, John? Want to give it a whirl for us? Why not? Why not? I'm just wondering though. I don't know if you've seen the things on YouTube where they get um, half a litre, so one litre bottle, but half full of coke or something. Put some mints in, put the lid on, shake it, and it explodes. <laughs> it only works with Mentos, apparently. Oh, does it? Mm. Mm. I did see a video. I don't know if it was on the YouTube we see on it before, but there was. I definitely remember seeing a YouTube clip where they did that with a bottle, and obviously they, they shook it up and it's bouncing around and then it just flies off and smashes the camera in the face I think actually Mark wasn't it you who showed me you that? Sh- yeah you, you saw that here yeah <laughs> well, I, I was wondering would that happen with a person and if you drank loads of coke and then some mintos and jumped up and down would you explode I'd hate to think what the reaction would be after that to be honest yeah because you've got to mix in the old stomach acid as well yeah give it to a kid and put him on a trampoline and see what happens it would probably be very sick. Does anyone have any kids they want to donate for a little experiment? <laughs> I remember an interview. This is going to be... I'm going to mention somebody that you didn't ever think I'd mention in a conversation. Um, Peter Andre. He was, talk- he was talking about one of these um, neighbours that he didn't like. And he thought he'd scare them. Is so this someone on Neighbours? No, one on <laughs> no, one of his actual Neighbours. And uh, he got his dog and he, he fed it an Alka-Seltzer and it started foaming at the mouth and he let it go down the street and his neighbour thought his dog had rabies. <laughs> wow, only Peter Andre could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it all day at work, actually. Uh, we've with a boss I've got to work we could kind of break out in song quite a lot just randomly it's only ever one line of a song and so we get the star of Mysterious Girl we just get that whoa <laughs> the star of the chorus I hear, must hear that about 20 times a day it's hilarious 
We're sorry to interrupt this program, but we have a news flash. Former Beatle John Lennon, who was 40, was shot and killed last night outside his luxury apartment in New York. I, Diana Francis. I, Diana Francis. Take thee, Charles Philip Arthur George. Take thee, Philip Charles Arthur George. To my wedded husband. To my wedded husband. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. From this day forward. This day forward. According to God's holy law. According to God's holy law. And thereto I give thee my troth. And thereto I give thee my troth. Here is the stuff of which fairy tales are made. The prince and princess on their wedding day. And we have liftoff, liftoff of America's first space shuttle. And the shuttle has cleared the tower. You are about to participate in a cable adventure which reaches from the outer limits to your inner sanctum. You are experiencing the sight and sound of MTV. Music television. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. For the first time for many years, British sovereign territory has been invaded by a foreign power. After several days of rising tension in our relations with Argentina, that country's armed forces attacked the Falkland Islands yesterday and established military control of the islands. In Ethiopia, seven million people are threatened by starvation. Thousands have already died. The famine caused by drought is the worst in living memory, and now the rains have failed again for the third year in succession. The relief organizations are doing all they can, but there just isn't enough food to go around. One of the worst hit areas is in the north of the country, where the problem has been complicated by two secessionist wars in Eritrea and Tigray. 40,000 refugees have converged on the town of Coram in the hope of getting some food and medical aid. Our correspondent, Michael Burke, has been back to Coram after four months and he found the situation far worse. Dawn, and as the sun breaks through the piercing chill of night on the plain outside Coram, it lights up a biblical famine, now in the 20th century. This place, say workers here, is the closest thing to hell on earth. It's 12 noon in London, 7 a.m. in Philadelphia, and around the world, it's time for Live Aid. Wembley welcomes their Royal Highnesses, the Prince and Princess of Wales. Forty soccer fans are now believed to have died in this afternoon's massive blaze, which spread, according to one survivor, like a flash through the main stand at Bradford City Football Ground. Up to 200 more people were injured, some are badly burnt. The 77-year-old wooden stand was destroyed after a small fire at the back of the stadium grew into an inferno in under five minutes. The 25th flight of the American Space Shuttle has ended in disaster. The spacecraft Challenger exploded just over a minute after takeoff from Cape Canaveral. The seven crew members, five men and two women, were all killed. Earlier on today, apparently, a woman rang the BBC and said she heard that there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. 13 die as hurricane-force winds sweep southern Britain. Railways and roads are blocked. Hundreds of thousands stay off work. The trail of havoc from coast to coast. We are here today. 
all of us, the 72,000 people in the stadium, and the millions more viewing in 60 countries across the world. We are here to take part in a unique event to honor a great man. The man is the leader of South Africa's oppressed black people. He is a symbol of their fight against the cruel and unjust system of apartheid. He has been a prisoner locked up for 25 years in a South African prison. He languishes there for his belief that his people should be free. The man is Nelson Mandela. Four lesbian demonstrators broke into the studio of the BBC's six o'clock news as it was going on air tonight and began shouting protests. While Sue Lawley read the headlines, her co-presenter Nicholas Witchell sat on one protester and tried to keep her quiet. Another handcuffed herself to a camera cable. They're protesting against a new law which bans local councils from promoting homosexuality. Miss Lawley apologized to viewers, saying we have rather been invaded. No charge has been made against the demonstrators. Good evening. There's been a major air crash tonight near the Scottish border. A Pan-American jumbo jet carrying more than 250 people has crashed near the town of Lockerbie in Dumfries. 74 people have been killed in a crush of spectators at this afternoon's FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest at the Hillsborough Ground in Sheffield. This is the middle of the checkpoint. The gates have been opened. The police are making no attempt to stop people as they go through and come back. I have never seen such elation. I watched the scenes on television last night and again this morning. You see the joy on people's faces and you see what freedom means to them. It makes you realize that you can't stifle or suppress people's desire for liberty. What do you think of tonight? Well, as you just heard, the 1980s was full of memorable news stories. But before I run through the clips on that montage, do you guys recognize any of them? Yeah, loads. All the bad stuff, unfortunately. Lockerbie, Hillsborough. Bradford City Fire. Yeah, too. I just can't believe how much happened. It was quite amazing when I was trying to compile uh, the actual clips, trying to get the the main stories of the ten years. So much that I could have put in there, but um, I thought I pretty much captured uh, the main parts. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. The only other one that I can think of again, unfortunately, is a disaster is the Zeebrugger Ferry disaster. It was 86, wasn't it? 87, if I remember rightly. Um, actually, I can tell you. Um, I've actually got a book here called uh, History Through Headlines. And uh, it's an awesome book, this, actually. As you can guess, it's all made up of newspaper cuttings and stuff. And it yeah. goes from 1900s up to 2008. Yeah, so 87, yeah. Yeah, so Brugger Ferry disaster was in, in 1987. Oh, 87, OK. It's just mesmerising how something like that could happen. Something 
so straightforward, but how, how do you leave the back door open on a car ferry? Yeah, it is, it is quite remarkable how that actually happened. And the only, the only good thing to come out of that is the fact that the security procedures that they have on these things now have, have been strengthened ever since that disaster. And the thing is, it seems to happen all the time in uh, life, really. Things change after bad things happen. Yeah, like if it wasn't for, for Hillsborough, would we have all-seater stadiums now, for example? This is true. And it's the same with um, not so much the Challenger uh, disaster, but definitely after the Columbia disaster, things changed, different um, procedures that they do, like um, where they used to flip the shuttle over to check the tiles from the uh, International Space Station... Um, so they can see where the damage is or if there's any prominent damage that needs to be fixed before they try and descend back to Earth. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, it is, it is uh, definitely a case of, you know, shutting the, shutting the gate after the horse has bolted. Um, at least the other horses don't bolt is the good way to look at it, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But the thing that bugs me out is just one final thought on Hillsborough just I still can't believe after the, what everyone saw on the day and the big cover up from the police when it was clear the police were in charge of the gates the police clearly opened the gates and let fans in without checking anything so how they can blame unruly fans when they just basically said oh right okay there's a lot of people outside so rather than delay the game and get the right number of people in we're literally just going to open the floodgates and everyone went in that's right. It was just... I, I don't understand how the, the police thought they could get away with that. And, and thankfully, it looks as though people are starting to come to justice for trying to cover up what was just... It was just a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a tragedy that should never have been. A travesty. Travesty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just... Yeah, it should never have happened. But, as I say, at least on the back of it, we've got all-seater stadiums... The security now at football grounds is is as top notch as it's probably going to get. Mm-hmm. Particularly with internationals. Hmm. Yeah, you can say that after well, the fiasco last week. Oh, this week, should I say? Well, if I, just to finish on from that, I was going to finish off by saying in this country because <laughs> the rest of Europe seems to be behind, doesn't it? I mean, and I just moved swiftly away from the eighties, but. But they, they I think it's because some of the countries that we are dealing with here, when um, countries like the Eastern European countries, they don't have the money to actually put these um, things into place. Yeah. Basically. It, it's more the fan behaviour and things like that that are really over there, isn't it? It's, it's a different, we'll... different kind of mentality out in countries like that. Uh, you know, uh, they don't have a cosmopolitan society like we do in the UK. No, I mean this is true, and we'll obviously we're we're looking for the eighties, aren't we? So uh, I shall uh, I shall leave that one there. I think. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, John? What sort of memories do you have there? Do you... Only hearing that is what brings memories back, and um, I think it is quite a lot of the bad stuff. Not so much the sports orientated, um, but yeah, I remember the Sibuga disaster. Yeah. Um, and Hillsborough only because that was on the telly, the news days. Um, I, I actually remember the Hillsborough disaster um, <clears throat> very clearly. I was actually watching it live on television as it unfolded. Yeah. And it was... I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
it was all there as well, the telling the fans to get back rather than letting them onto the pitch because the position they were in, they could see what was happening. People were jumping down from the the, the second tier or the top tier of the stadium onto the lower tier, and they're not going to do that just for you know what I mean, just for just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just go through this list quickly, and then we can. Yeah. So the, the first one you had was John Lennon's murder in yeah, 1980. I've, yeah, I've had the the pleasure. Of, well, I say pleasure, but obviously after what happened, whatever we can call it that. But I've been to the Imagine Memorial in Central Park. Yeah, I saw your photos of that on Facebook, I think. Yeah, I went there over New Year's, and so I've seen, saw the building where he used to live and, and where he was shot outside of, and then as you walk into that entrance of Central Park, just there as you walk in, it's got the mosaic on the floor. Uh, imagine mosaic, people put roses down, they put coins down. Really, really beautiful piece of work it is. Uh, the second one was Prince Charles and Princess Diana's wedding in 1981. Again, sadly, more people would remember 1997 than, than 1981 because, alas, it's been 15 years now, just over that since she's died. Mm, this is true. And uh, the next one was the launch of STS-1, the uh, Space Shuttle Columbia in 1981 on uh, a special day for John because that would have been your birthday it, it was exactly 30 years after Yuri Gagarin's um, first flight into into space yeah I was yeah. just say that not not the yearage but same day isn't it yeah Which, yeah, just a couple of years shy isn't it because it was wasn't he 63 that he was the first man in space 61 it was 61 was it yeah oh, okay yeah. I don't doubt you when it comes to that kind of space knowledge. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I always have a memory of Columbia. It, it always has a, a special place in my heart because I didn't spend a lot of time with my grandfather and granddad loved space exploration. And I actually remember watching it on television with my granddad. That's a memory of my granddad that I'll always have. The next one was the launch of the world's first music television station, MTV, in 1981 uh, in America. Or, no, actually in certain parts of America. I think it was only Newark and New York that actually got the first day of launch of MTV. Does anybody know what the first song that was played on MTV? Michael Jackson? No, actually, this is funny. Uh, well, not funny, actually, to be honest. Uh, funny peculiar. Uh, Michael Jackson didn't get played on MTV for a long, long time. They only played white rock acts on MTV for the first two or three years. Brian Adams. No, it wasn't actually rock. That was the first song, to be honest. But, uh... Oh, come on, you kind of set me up and then you just knocked me right back down. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great choice of song. When I say great choice of song, the actual title of the song was awesome for it. It was the the Buggles with um, "Video Killed the Radio Star." Right. Okay. Yeah. That's very yes. clever. Very yes. clever. Definitely. Or in these days, internet killed the video star. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you see, this is the thing, though. The way I see it, with with internet music, they just need to get out and gig because. If you've got free access to the music and you like the music, you're going to go and pay to see the gig. Mm-hmm. So see, this it is just means did... that instead of earning the money the easy way, they've actually got to go out 
and do the likes of some of the bands do, like like my favourite band Nightwish, or the likes of Lady Gaga, who just always seem to be, if they're not releasing an album and writing the album, they spend like the next year, year and a half on tour, then they go, they have a little bit of time to themselves while they're incidentally making another album, and then they go on a massive tour again. That's what music for me is about. Well, uh, if you look at the likes of Prince, for example, his last, was it three albums that he's released, he's given away. Has he? Yeah. Why don't I own a copy? You do. You got it free when you went to the concert. Oh, that one. Yeah, the one was on the picture with the, the Earth. Yeah, the Earth album. Um, what were the other two, though? Uh, I can't remember what they were called now, but they were given away in papers. in newspaper. You bought the newspaper, but the album was free. So he's yeah. g- he gives his music away, and if you like it, you'll go and watch him in concert. That's yeah. where he makes his money. Yeah, which we need to go and do again when he comes back over, if he's planning on coming back over this way. I don't know what he's planning on doing at the moment, because he's doing a doing a soundtrack to a movie. Uh, he's going to be like Batman, it's going to be awesome. The Great Gatsby, it's called. Him okay. and who else is on the soundtrack? Uh, they're writing some songs for it. Oh, Lady Gaga, she is as well. Really? Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be working together or not, but... Uh... Sounds like I need to buy the soundtrack, but not necessarily watch the film. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, MTV. Uh, then you had the invasion of the Falkland Islands in 82. Yeah, although it's technically closer to Argentina, so, you know, have a word. <laughs> yeah, a but they've been on... There to raise. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, there are a lot of people against the UK on that one this time round. <laughs> but uh, they are. Um, then you had the, the awful famine in Ethiopia in 84. Yeah followed by Live Aid, which was a phenomenal concert. Did you, go, you didn't go to the first one, did you? But you went to the most recent one. Was I went to the recent one, yeah. Um, I wasn't old enough to get a ticket. You had to Way. be you had to be 16 to get a ticket for Live Aid. I wasn't old enough, so I couldn't go. Not by much, though. <laughs> when was it, 84, did you say? 85. Oh, 85, so you were 10? Uh, 12. No. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. Seventy-three. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're yeah, rocking on. <laughs> uh, then you had the the Bradford City fire. Yeah. Um, and that's mainly because the stands were all wooden. Yeah. So that was another thing. All stands that uh, that were wooden had to get changed. Yes. Because of that. So in that respect, there was some good that came out of it, but it doesn't help the people. All the families of the people that lost family members. Um, then you had the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, STS 51L, in 1986, and that one's quite close to my heart as well, um, mainly because one of the astronauts that were on was on board came to my school and gave a speech. Yeah, that's got to be harsh. Yeah, so that was Ron. McNair. Um, and then that was followed by Michael Fish's famous There Is No Hurricane, followed by Yes There Is. <laughs> <laughs> followed by Hurricane Winds. How ironic. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you should never believe the weather forecast. <laughs> Just look out the window. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. When I used to work at Mix 96, on the first day, the um, the computer system or the network that links it was, it's like teletext yeah but an in, in, internal teletext for 
the independent local radio stations. And it went down on Mix 96's first day, and they didn't know what the weather forecast was, so they just looked out the window. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> it's going to be bright and sunny in Aylesbury, <laughs> and in Milton Keynes, we're not sure. Well, I'll just ring me mate. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Now we go to Ollie, our weatherman. <laughs> In Milton Keynes. It's wet. But yeah, so there's that. Uh, that was followed by the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday tribute concert in 1988. Now, I did actually go to that one. Was he released by then? No, he wasn't. He was still in, in jail on Robin Island. And... Um, or I can't remember how many countries over the world um, actually showed this concert, but guess which one didn't? South Africa refused to show it, but the message still got through to Nelson somehow that all these people were there for him. Yeah, there, there would have been ways and means, and I'm sure there would have been a few guards that would have been... Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, that was followed in, in 1990 by the free... South Africa concert which I also went to which Nelson Mandela was at so I didn't actually get to be very close to him but I was in the same vicinity as one of the greatest people on this planet yeah definitely and um, seeing that have you ever seen Invictus I haven't got around to seeing it yet I want to see it it's a a great film and I'm sure they they must they clearly used the actual self from Robben Island. Yeah. And it is just so tiny. Mm. It literally is. It's, it's no more than, what is it, a five-foot cell, I think? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it's, it's a museum now. Really? Yeah. Um, that was followed by the lesbian rights protesters that invaded the BBC during the 6 o'clock news in 1988. It, it just seems unreal nowadays what they were actually protesting against, that it was against the law to promote anything to do with homosexuality. Was that um, against Section 28? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Section 28? Yeah, it's uh, the rights yeah. of um, gays and lesbians. Basically, they, they had no rights, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> weren't allowed to mention it in um, sex education classes at all. No. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's it bad was. And illegal. Yeah. So that's just silly, though, because I, I know this always sounds stupid when I say it, but for me, it's God's natural way of keeping the population down. And people either hate me for saying that or whatever. I don't really care at this point, but... You know, I have absolutely no issues with it. And I've got, I've sense, got no, no, no issues with anything at all. To be honest with you, uh, what people do in their bedroom has got absolutely nothing to do with me. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's no people of my bench, you know what I mean. But at the same time, that's kind of, you know, that's my way of looking at it. I've got, I've got no problems with anybody or any, any gender, race, whatever. No, exactly. We're all born free, or at least that's the way it should be. Um, the last three. Yeah, the Lockerbie plane crash. Now, the reason why I call it the Lockerbie plane crash because it was in 1988 when it actually happened. It wasn't until the investigation afterwards that they realised that it was a bomb on board. So at that point, when the news broadcast went out, it was a plane had crashed. Uh, That was followed by Hillsborough, which we've been into uh, in 89 and the last one on the list was the collapse of the Berlin Wall and that was due to the fact that David Hasselhoff sang and it fell over that wouldn't crack anything (laughs) (laughs) 
it would German make national hero. It would Sorry. make me. It would make me crack if he started singing. I don't know, but he has, he sings like an angel. Well, angel of death. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd rather listen to that last catch-up record than that. Hang on, which one was the last catch-up one? The one that was like I said, a hey. That's uh-huh. the one. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, what you've got to set is your ringtone, Adrian. No, 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 that's the Macarena. <laughs> I was going to say, he's still got the crazy frog. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have any other news stories that they want to bring forward I know you already brought forward the uh, Zebruga yeah maybe we can think of some some positive stories from the 80s John what do you reckon yeah L- let me open my little book and see what I can it. find it's weird that the negative ones are the ones that stick it, yeah, news it's, news it's kind of driven in our faces isn't it yeah, yeah. bad happens it's always going to make the news do you know the only year that I didn't have anything for it was 1983. Uh, not a lot. Not a lot happened. That was. I turned four. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> the Nintendo Entertainment System was launched in Japan. Excellent. Grew up with a Nintendo. Would be without it. The Hitler diaries were faked in 1983. Somebody claimed that they had Hitler's diaries, and they sort of did tests on them, and they found that they were fake. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. Then that's about it, really. The When I was a young boy, we didn't have a VCR in our house. In fact, we didn't have one until 1989. But what I did have 
was a very active imagination, which kept me amused for hours. One day, I was out shopping in Woolies with my mum. Aylesbury had the biggest Woolworths in Europe at that time, with three floors, including a food hall and restaurant. Mum promised that she would treat me to something from the home entertainment section if I was good for the duration of the shopping trip, which I was, of course. Woolies had the most amazing home entertainment section. I'd never seen such a vast selection of records, cassettes and books in one place before. But then, I was only seven. I loved science fiction, and more to the point, Star Wars. But Star Wars stuff was always expensive. Although I had a feeling that Mum would say put it back, my eyes were drawn to something with the Star Wars characters on the cover. It was something I had never seen before. A long plain record telling the story of The Empire Strikes Back, with a book that you could read along, and best of all, it had photos from the movie in it too. To my surprise, Mum said I could have it. I guess her thinking was, anything that encouraged me to read was a good thing. It did more than that, because when that record was playing, I was immersed in my own fantasy world, the world of read-along adventures. Read-along adventures had been going since the 1960s in the States, but it didn't really catch on here in the UK until the early 1980s. The concept mostly stayed the same right through the series, but with a few tweaks here and there. The record, cassette, or in later years, CD, always started the same. This is the story of Star Wars. Back to the future. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Dark Crystal. Mary Poppins. Who framed Roger Rabbit? You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. When you hear the bullwhip crack like this. When you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. And then you went off onto another adventure. Many of the early stories were of Disney movies, but as time passed, all kinds of movies and TV shows were covered. Some of the stories were narrated by character actors from the original movies. For example... Hi, I'm Chunk, and I'm going to tell you about the neatest thing that ever happened to me and my Goonie friends. Hi, I'm Gertie, and I'm going to tell you the story of E.T. Hello. I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars, A New Hope. You can also read along with the story in your book. Unless you are already programmed to know when the pages end, you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear this sound. The garbage part. Your input is our output. But most of the time they were played by similar sounding bit part actors. But when you add music and sound effects, that's when your imagination takes over. Read Along Adventures spawned a flood of other companies copying the concept. Some were really good, but others cringeworthy. Ladybird Books, in conjunction with Pickwick Records in the UK, released a range of children's stories on book and tape sets. From fairy tales to classic adventures like Treasure Island and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. These were superbly produced with some excellent voice acting. But then, you would expect that from a respected name like Ladybird Books. One of the most sought-after versions of the genre was a limited edition box set produced as a tie-in for the release of the movie E.T. The Extraterrestrial. 
This version of the story was narrated by Michael Jackson, and I am lucky enough to own a mint condition copy of it. You can listen to versions of this on YouTube. There is a website dedicated to the read-along adventure series, and I will put a link up to it on the Garbage Pod website. I will leave this little insight to read-along adventures with a small extract from Michael Jackson reading the magical story of E.T. Then a miracle. Ellie had noticed E.T.'s wilted flower was moving. A light opened up in E.T.'s heart, growing brighter and brighter. (laughs) From orange to yellow to white. (laughs) E.T. found Do any of you guys remember the read-along adventures? I think I had one of the Star Wars ones. I can't remember which one. I think it was narrated by um, Harrison Ford. What about you, Adri? I don't think I remember them. I'm not sure. But then um, part of me just had a random flashback to... Um, oh, do you know what? For the, for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of the programme was. But I think I might have had one, but it was based on a cartoon. Dead. Part of me wants to say the work, the Wuzzles, but I don't know whether that's right or not. There was Wuzzles ones, if I remember rightly. Um, I th- uh, as I say, I said on the like Care Bears with wings. Is that right? Well, the Wuzzles were made up of two different creatures. Like you had, um, oh, what was it called? A, a, a bumble lion. Yes, yeah. So it was a cross between a bee and a lion, and there was a, oh, I think it was a hippopotamus and a butterfly or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there was, but if, as I said in the recording, I'm going to put a link up to the Read Along Adventure website, and I think yeah. it might actually say on there which ones were available. Oh, brilliant. Okay, yeah, I'll have to give that a look. Yeah. So, now you've probably guessed that we've moved into the realms of books. Well, a series of books that I've enjoyed reading since the mid 80s when I discovered them at middle school was the Adrian Mole books. And they are celebrating their 30th anniversary this year. Uh, The books are written as the diary of a teenage boy from Leicestershire and highlights current affairs of the time in the storyline. For example, um, the Falklands conflict is mentioned in the first book, uh, The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, aged 13 and three quarters. The author... Soon Townsend has penned seven of these diaries in the series, spanning from 1982 to 2008, and she has even very cleverly written herself into the storyline. And I've done it again. Um, (laughs) How she managed to do that? (laughs) Well, basically, uh, in the storyline, Adrian discovers that Sue Townsend has somehow obtained his diaries and has been publishing them. Oh, right. So he, he tries, he, he starts stalking her. <laughs> to try and track her down to find out where she got them from. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, in the latest book in the series, Adrian Mulder Prostrate Years, it's a very hard and emotional read. Adrian is now 40 and has been diagnosed with prostate cancer, so the reader is taken along a roller coaster journey of thoughts and emotions that only someone going through the trauma and treatment of this horrible disease could journal and in very many bits of it it's funny but sad at the same time one of the funniest bits of of the book is his teenage daughter his his teenage daughter his teenage sister um oh yeah the one that his dad has with 
the fling he has. Yes. Um, Rosie, is it? It is Rosie. But um, he's he's not... No, it's his mum who had the affair. Oh, it's his mum who had the affair, sorry. But yeah. she, she's not convinced that his, uh, that Adrian's dad is the father of her. So guess what she does? They all go on to Jeremy Kyle. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really good read. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. So it's his mum that has the affair, isn't it? So yeah. Initially. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Isn't it with one of the neighbours? Um, no, it was a lodger. Oh, was it a lodger? Yeah. Hang on, so this that... is a, a book, yeah? Yeah. Must be a whole chapter that's filled with space blanks or bleeps, then. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really funny. I mean, one of them, uh, the book is called Adrian Mole and the Weapons of Mass Destruction. <laughs> <laughs> um... And he, he hears word that there may be a problem with these weapons of mass destruction and he's got a holiday booked in Cyprus or somewhere like that and he's a bit worried it might get cancelled because of these weapons of mass destruction. So he sent a letter to Tony Blair asking him to confirm or not because his um, travel agent won't give him a refund unless he's got word from the Prime Minister that <laughs> there's definitely going to have weapons of mass destruction. See, they also, um, I think it must have been in the 90s, but they made a TV series out of the first two books, didn't they? Uh, that was in uh, the mid-80s. They did the first uh, two it? books. And yeah. then they did one of the later books in the 90s, which was the Cappuccino years, Adrian Mulder Cappuccino years, when uh, he was a author of books, cookery books, and he got himself a um, a job on a satellite television channel doing cookery awful, awful wasn't it? yeah yeah awfully good it was yeah. called <laughs> different ways to cook awful but yeah that was the cappuccino years so i am remembering the series from the 80s then no that was that was the nine that one was the 90s oh, no, the cappuccino years, i remember that as well but i mean the original series was in yeah the 80s. yeah the original series was in the 1980s it was about 1985-86 something like that yeah. Um, and he had two different people playing his mum in series one and series two. In, but Pandora stayed the same, which was the important thing. Yeah. In um, the first series, his mum was played by Julie Walters. Right. And in the second series, his mum was played by Lulu. <laughs> wow, well, that's quite a different combination there. <laughs> Another good book I remember reading when I was at school in the 80s was Aliens in the Family. That was also a TV programme. I think I remember the TV series. I don't remember it as a book. But, um, yeah. I'll I, I tell you, one of my first books I started reading when I was young, and I still collect them now if I can get hold of them, is the Asterix books. I used to love Asterix books. Yeah. Classic. Uh, they are absolutely, and the movies are quite good as well. If you get the animated ones, not the ones that are uh, with real actors. Um, there was one called Asterix Conquers America, and um, the voice of Asterix, because obviously originally it was in French and it's been dubbed into English, but the voice of Asterix was done by Craig Charles. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh wow! And the um, 
the guy who played Obelix was... Do you remember a sitcom in the 1980s called Brushstrokes? Yes, I do, yes. Do you remember the yes. bloke behind the bar whose name was Elmo? Big fat guy, was a bit simple. He's not the one that ended up playing like characters in Good Night Sweetheart and stuff, was it that guy? He was also in Bread. No, that yeah, I know the one you mean. Um, no, it wasn't him. I'm trying to think well. Oh, he was in uh, Maid Marian and his and uh, Merry Men. Uh what played Big Shot? Also had Danny John Jules in. Yes, yes it, it did. did. Mm. It's another link to Red Wolf. R- written by Tony Robinson. Um, he played the sheriff, sheriff, and not, sheriff, sheriff of Nottingham, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> no, not little. Little Ron. Little Ron was the the dwarf. <laughs> no, but I mean, they did actually have a character called Big John, didn't they? And made Marion. I, I can't remember what his name was, but it was the big bloke. That 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 was the guy I'm thinking of. Yeah, he plays the voice of Obelix. So obviously, you need a big, big fella to play the voice. I mean, one of the original films, it was Bernard Breslau. Yeah. Which would have been an ideal voice for um, for playing a, quite a big fella. Because in the in the film version, it's Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu plays Obelix. Right. You need a big lummox to play Obelix, and you can't get any more of a big lummox than Gerard Depardieu. I don't know. Was Randy Quaid not available? <laughs> well, for me, um, one of the books I remember reading it was like an adventure book, but it was. Um, where you got to, you had to make a decision. You you were on a journey. You obviously having to use your imagination to try and picture yourself in a story, and then it'd be small things like, oh, if you want to turn left and go over the bridge with the troll at the bottom, turn to this page, or if you want to go to the castle, go to this page, that kind of thing. And then depending on your page selections, depending on whether you made it to the end of the book or not. Yeah, these were game books. There was lots of different ones. The ones that you probably read as a kid were called Choose Your Own Adventure. Yes, yeah, I think so. Uh, which were aimed at the younger uh, audience. Um, and there was another one which was a bit more comic book-like called uh, Be an Interplanetary Spy. Yeah. Um, and I read another one, which is a futuristic thing called Falcon, which was about a private detective in the in the future. Uh, and another one was based around the time of ninjas and samurai and all that kind of stuff. And it was called Way of the Tiger. And they also they also brought a video game out of it as well. One of the most famous of these is also celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. But I won't tell you about it because I'll let one of the creators of the series do the honours. Hi, I'm Ian Livingstone. It seems quite unbelievable that it was 1982 when Steve Jackson and I together wrote the first fighting fantasy game book, The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. They were an amazing success, and here we are today in 2012, and a new book's coming out, which I've written to celebrate the 30th anniversary of fighting fantasy. Published by Wizard Books, in August, it's called Blood of the Zombies, and not surprisingly, you have to defeat lots of zombies. You're kidnapped, thrown into a cell, have to escape, defeat all the zombies, find the ultimate megalomaniac who's controlling them, Gingrich Yor, deal with him, and avoid being turned to a zombie yourself. It's going to be quite challenging, uh, but I hope people enjoy doing it. I really enjoyed writing it. What I really like doing most of all is 
devising fiendish tricks and traps to lure readers into their doom and, and uh, kind of snigger as they uh, fall foul of, of, uh, of the zombies. It's going to be very interesting how people react to this book because I wrote it uh, with a bit of a dilemma. Was I writing it for the reader of 1982, the 10-year-old then who's now in their 40s, or am I writing it for, for the 10-year-old of today? So I guess I'm hoping it's going to appeal to both. And we've certainly created a cover which will appeal to both, a kind of future retro style, but brought up to date for the modern user. So there we are, Blood of the Zombies, out in August. Hope you enjoy it, and hope you get to kill all the zombies. Have fun. I've recently bought a copy of Blood of the Zombies because I've got the first uh, ever is- uh, issue of Warlock of Firetop Mountain, which was the first book that Ian mentioned in that clip, and the version I've got is a first edition, so um, <laughs> I look after that one. Yeah. Um, so I've I've got this copy of Blood of the Zombies, and it's actually got a big sticker on the front of it saying "Celebrating 30 Years of uh, Fighting Fantasy Books." I got it for that reason, really, because you know I've got the first one and got the last one. So. <laughs> Excellent. How much did that set you back? Well, I've I had a Smith's voucher, so it it's um, it didn't cost me anything. But uh, uh, if you were to buy it in the shop, it'll cost you seven ninety nine. But if you was to get it online, it'll cost you five ninety nine. Not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Do you need the first book for the one you just bought to make sense, or are they stand? No, the, each book is um, a different story. Uh, the first one, the Warlock, Warlock of Firetop Mountain, is a bit like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. And this one, as he said, it's all about going around the castle with all these zombies chasing after you. <laughs> um, not only did Ian create the fighting fantasy series, he also co-founded the Games Workshop. Really? Yeah, he, and he also launched Dungeons and Dragons into Europe, the the, the game, not the cartoon series. <laughs> and uh, also, from 1985 until 2002, he was a chief executive of IDOS Software, which is most famous for. Does anybody know what game it's most famous for? Oh, IDOS Championship Manager. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Yeah. Oh come on! It was Championship Manager. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, John? Have you got any memories of books when you were a kid? Yeah, um, I used to. Well, I've still got them actually. A couple of game books. Um, I think one's called The Time Machine. Really enjoyed that. Um, and there's another one which. Oh, Rebel Planet. I think that's a game book. Rebel Planet. Sure, that's sort of like. Um, I think that might have been a fighting fantasy. That was a good book. I enjoyed that as well quite hard as well mm-hmm. yeah. when I was younger um, yeah and I guess that sort of thing's what's sort of kept me interested even now into RPG games not not computer ones but more sort of um, uh, Warhammer yeah yeah uh, yeah Space Crusader and things like that and play, Space yeah. Marine yes and Space Hulk you guys ever used to play Space Hulk that was another breakaway from that I think it was yeah, because you had, um, and you basically you had like the um, marine army was up against um, gene stealers, mm-hmm. um, and that was always a, a good game to play. Well, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to widen the range a bit and bring in other types of toys and games and hobbies that kept us entertained during our formative years. Star Wars toys. 
I managed to inherit a load. I think it was from one of my uncles, but I used to have like a Millennium Vulcan and uh, Darth Vader where you used to have the lightsaber in the arm. Mm-hmm. So he used to, yeah, to like pull the so little like lever. Yep. Um, yeah, we had a snow speeder as well. We had the bounty hunters um, craft. Was, oh, uh, Boba yeah. Fett's um, Slave One. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say Star Wars toys in our formative years. Um, <clears throat> some of us may um, have some. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think Dad's still got ours in the loft, but have you got yours on show? Or? I have some limited edition that have never been taken out of the boxes. Oh, brilliant. I'll come round and open them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll feel Mark crying <laughs> and then we'll put it on YouTube <laughs> and of course the garbage pod yes but yeah I've got um, they're basically concept characters so it's um, based around the original drawings of some of the characters that Chewbacca and R2-D2 and C-3PO they bought out um toys of the drawings, the concept drawings, for the 30th anniversary. Yeah. In 2007. Uh, and they were only released at the uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe at the Excel Centre, which I went to. Oh, right. But, uh, yeah, I've been to a couple of those things. I went to the uh, Empire Day 5 at the Watford Coliseum. <laughs> wow. And there was a lot of um, famous people there. There was um, Peter Mayhew who played Chewbacca. He was there. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Baker who was R2-D2. He was there. Dave Prowse was there. Oh, brilliant. Um, uh, for people in, not in the know, um, that was Darth Vader, or Darth Vader's body anyway. It wasn't his voice. They decided that they didn't want him to sound very English, so they thought they'd get in James L. Jones instead. Have you heard Dave Prowse speak? I think so. All right, my lover! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Darth Vader? All right, uh, Luke, together we could roll the galaxy as father and son. <laughs> you are! <laughs> That wouldn't have worked. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be classic. Last time we met, <laughs> only now I am the master. <laughs> only the master of my combine harvester. <laughs> and then you can just break into song. <laughs> I've got a brand new combine harvester, and I'll give you the key. <laughs> That was the 80s, I think. Or was it the 70s? It might have been the 70s. <laughs> Let's do X Factor next week. I think we should, yeah. We definitely need to be on the auditions, don't we? We could be like a duo. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. Uh, what I was just trying to think of other toys. Oh, Big Track. Big Track was awesome. I'm a, um, your stepbrother uh, used to have a Big Track when, when he used to live... Over on Quarrendon. Did he? Yeah, he didn't last very long. He busted it. He's very good at yeah. busting things, but never mind. <laughs> and sending Roller Matt down a zip wire, which was the washing line going down the back garden. That was. <laughs> I can tell you a story about that Roller Rat. 
He's been many a place he shouldn't have been. I know that much. <laughs> do you remember Andy used to play the tuba? Yes, I do remember that, yes. Right, I put Roland Rat in the tuba and launched it out like a mortar. <coughs> Shut out the window. It was awesome. <laughs> Roland Rat. Yee! <laughs> <laughs> he must have been 80s as well. Yeah, definitely. He... he um, Started up with, um, oh, that was a piece of news. I forgot about that. Breakfast television started in the 1980s. Yeah? Because, um, yeah, 1983. Was, that was the only thing that was good about the 83. Was, um, well, it was breakfast time on the BBC started. And then a yeah. few months later, um, TVAM. And um, yeah. that's where Roland Rat came from. Before TVAM, though, isn't it called Good Morning? Uh, well, TVAM um, was the whole package, the whole umbrella, if you like. But their their show that they did was called Good Morning Britain. That's it. Um, BBC Willis. Doing the weather, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you had lots of people on there, famous people. Um, yeah, David Frost. Uh, Anne Diamond. Nick Gowen. Oh, that was proper old school. Yeah. And then they launched the careers of people like Tommy Boyd for uh, the Wide Awake Club. And then it's spin off with Timmy Mallet. Um, <laughs> you got to remember Mallet's Mallet. Whackaday, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> It's a word association game. If you pause, you get it wrong, you get bashed on the head like this. You mustn't like pause, this. you mustn't hesitate. You've got a bang on the head like yeah. this, or like this. Yeah. Um, and you had, uh, what's the name? Magic. He's um, Cockatiel. He had a Cockatiel. Oh, did Called he? Magic. Yeah. I do not remember that. Mm-hmm. Or do I? And, oh, I'm trying to think what else would have been around then there's loads of board games that came out in the 80s yeah I mean and probably the most famous board game of the 1980s was Trivial Pursuit yeah that actually, I'm sure you used to be able to get that on the spectrum as well yes you could but this little bloke used to tap his feet as he walked <laughs> yeah if you if you didn't answer the question quick enough he used to sit there tapping his feet yes yeah <laughs> but Trivial Pursuit's an epic game there's so many incarnations of that these days well I've got a version of it which was the 20th anniversary edition yeah and I thought I'd get that one because I'd never had a, a never had one myself yeah always played other people's Trivial Pursuits and um, when it was the 20th anniversary one mum, mum and dad got it for me for Christmas and then I moved in with Donnie and she's got it as well oh brilliant <laughs> You've got two copies. Yeah. Maybe next time I come over, if, if I don't know, what do you reckon, John? Do you reckon we'll break it out and then you can humiliate me? Why not? I doubt that'll happen, but let's have a go. <laughs> Donnie. Singing back to the telly, though, what um, what year was number 73, Saturday morning 80, program? Uh, 82, 83, something like that. That was good. I used to like that. Yeah, that was... Um, actually, if you go on YouTube and put in number 73, you can watch full episodes of that. They're broken down into about five parts. 
Mm. You can watch a full episode, a full episode of Number Seventy Three. Wow, I should do that. <laughs> See, the one, the only ones I can remember, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would probably be nineties, and that was like going live with Philip Schofield. Yeah, that was the night. Nineteen nineties, yes, just about. And there was one before, one before that, and I can't remember what it was called. There was one with um, Mike Reed. He used to be the, the manager of a, um, a department store. Uh, it was called the Saturday Superstore. Oh, really? And um, you had different departments, like you had a music department. Obviously, that was going to be about music. And then there was a like a, a fashion department, all about fashion. And, that. and then there was a coffee shop where you used to have famous people in there and people used to interview them in the, in the coffee shop and stuff like that. Oh, right. It was uh, Mike Reed and Sarah Green. And then Sarah Green went off with Philip Schofield for going live, didn't she? Yes. The original series. You probably remember it with Zoe Ball and Jamie Theakston, Andrew. What's that, sorry? Going live. No, I do remember it with Philip Schofield. Oh, right. Philip Schofield, Gordon the Gopher. I do, yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah. What was the programme that had um, that alien called Studgrass? Studgrass? Was that... Snod. Snod. Was that Green, yeah, green Claws? I'm not sure. Quite a big alien. He had um, quite a big red nose. It was always dripping. That was Gilbert. Gilbert, Gilbert the alien. That, was, it, that was Get Fresh. With yeah. uh, with uh, Gaz Top as he was called, and he's now called Gareth Jones. That's his real name, uh, and he's trying to take over from uh, what's his name? Who's the young fella that does the motor racing? What Jake Humphrey? Yeah, he's leaving. Jake Humphrey's leaving. Yeah, he's he's going to uh, do the football commentary for BT because BT have won the rights to the uh, Premiership. Um, over ESPN. BT have? Yeah, BT Vision. I thought BT Vision was just a box rather than an actual TV channel. Not for much longer. They've got they've got the rights to the, the, the premiership games that ESPN had. Oh, wow. So, basically, next year I'm only going to have ESPN for the college football. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, so... Jake Humphreys is leaving the BBC and Gareth Jones want, he's um, applied for the position for Formula One because he knows a hell of a lot about it. He actually does a podcast called Gareth Jones on Speed. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> Which is brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, so he used to host this programme called Get Fresh, which was on a, a spaceship, based on a spaceship called the Millennium Dustbin. Nice. And Gilbert the Alien was on it. And uh, Gilbert the Alien was... Um, the voice of Gilbert the Alien was a guy called Phil Cornwell. Who, uh, do, do, does any of you remember a programme called Stellar Street? No. I think so. He used to do the Jack Nicholson character that was in it. Right. 
Uh, he does a lot of impressions, actually. He used to do um, the Mick Jagger for um, Steve Wright when he used to be on in the afternoon on Radio 1. Ah, nice. And uh, lots of other famous impressions. But, yeah, so it was him doing that, and um, a girl called Charlotte Hindle, who went off to do a programme on the BBC, a morning programme called the 8.15 from Manchester. This was another kids' Saturday morning show. Oh, right. I yeah. remember that at all. Um, I'm trying to think of other board games. I used to bring quite a few board games around to your dad's in, in the holidays. Nice. Um, I don't know if we're, again, see, because of obviously growing up and stuff, I, I don't know whether these early memories I have are 80s or 90s, so I'm hoping you'll correct me, but was the board game Hotel, was that 80s or was that 90s? Most of the decent board games came out in the 80s, so you're probably right in thinking that. Um, I used to bring a, ra- a game round to, to your dad's called Go For It. Uh, which was a little bit like Monopoly, but you used to get money off of the rest of the players when it was your birthday. Uh, see, I don't remember that. It's quite a good game. I remember another game called Go for Broke. Yeah, I remember that one as well. Um, obviously, the object of the game is to get broke. Yeah. There was another one similar to that called Anti Monopoly. Really? Yeah, so you, the idea was to, to go bust rather than to make as much money as possible. And Game of Life as well, would that have been 80s? Well, Game of Life came out originally in the 1970s, but uh, it was mostly popular in the 1980s, which I've still got that somewhere. That Uh, was a classic. I don't know if you remember a game that I used to bring around called Don't Tip the Waiter. No. Basically, it was a cardboard thing. It was a waiter made out of cardboard. Um, sort of laminated cardboard and um, used to build it up so he was on a pivot if you like his legs were pivoted the rest of his body and he had a tray and you had to keep putting these plates of food on his tray and then it used to tip gradually more and more and more until all the plates fell off and then if all the plates fell off then you had to pay money to the bank and then if you ran, oh, right. it was the one with the most amount of money from not tipping the waiter so often. Was it a little bit like Buckaroo? Kind of, kind of like Buckaroo. I mean, there was another one like Buckaroo that I used to have. I never had Buckaroo, but I had one called Jaws, where you used to have the the, the shark's mouth was wide open and it used to have things in its stomach like um, uh, wheels and buckets and all kinds of things you have to try and hook them out of the shark's stomach without its mouth closing on your wrist <laughs> oh wow uh, I'm thinking of as well like Guess Who Guess Who was the 1980s yeah um, Battleship oh no that was 70s but I had it in the 80s I had Star, yeah. I had Star Wars Battleships <laughs> electronic <laughs> Star Wars ones best two out of three <laughs> I think battleships, I can't help but think Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah. <laughs> you sung my battleship. Great film, but not Next in the 80s. Uh, once again, a lot of these were from the 70s, but... We you, would have played them in the you 80s. You would have played them in up. the 80s. There was another one called Downfall. Do you remember that one? 
Yeah, that's where you put the counter in the top and you had to turn Turn the, the wheels, bottom. yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. I had one which was a bit like a Connect 4, but it was called Space Lines. And the difference between this was there was four plane. It, you played it looking down onto the board. Yeah? And, oh, right. And okay, you, had, yeah. you had four plastic levels. And they were see-through. So not only could you get four across, four, um, four, four. Up, up and down, four diagonally, you could go through the layers. Yeah, okay. That's Yeah, that's weird. That was quite good, and that was tricky to play because you, sometimes you're not looking through as much as you are looking up and down and diagonally. Yeah, of course, yeah. So that was a bit more tricky to play. Um, there was another one I had, and I can't remember what it was called. And uh, what you had to do, it was a bit like playing um, air hockey, but you had this metal spinner, and you had to turn the handle to make it go as quickly as possible, press the button to launch it, and it went across the board, and you had to knock I it... I know exactly the one you mean as well, but I can't think of its name. It was something... Invader or something like that it was called and the problem is with it when, you've, when you're when you using the thing to try and stop it getting in your goal it's moving so fast if it hits your finger it doesn't half feel like it's taking the skin off yeah absolutely yeah it'd zing <laughs> anywhere wouldn't it that thing <laughs> oh I cannot remember what it was called that was a brilliant game I think it was it was brilliant because of the fact that it could <laughs> Take the skin off your finger. <laughs> it was all that part of it. Right. I used to have one called. Um, oh, I forgot what that's called, and I've got a picture of it on my phone. Actually, I've got a picture of it on my laptop. Uh, Crossfire. Now, Crossfire was best way to describe it. You had a big pitch, yeah. It was. It had um, boundaries around it so that nothing could come out of the pitch. Each end of the board, you had a gun with a little ramp. To, when you fired the gun, the little ball bearings went down the little ramp and fired across the board. And in the middle of the board was like a jack. And you had to try and hit the ball bearings at the jack to get it in the goal at the other end. Oh, right. They must have used something similar for... Um, do, you, do you ever remember the game called... I think it was called Test Match Cricket. Yes, I remember the one. Where you had one. little ball bearings. You had all the fielders where you could place them like a proper cricket field. You had a bowler and a batter, and the bowler you kind of... You had to tip it so that it went down the ramp, and as the batter, you literally controlled the bat, and you had to move him left or right. <laughs> it was kind of like cricket version of Sabutio. <laughs> yeah, but a better version. And the best thing was, like, obviously, if you, the fielders had holes in between in the stand at the bottom, so effectively, if it went in there, it was a catch. Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah. The, the the thing is with this crossfire, you can actually take the guns off, load it up with ball bearings, and fire them across the carpet. And the cat used to go mental. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. 
I don't think they would allow that game anymore, firing ball bearings around the place. Bonjour, kittens. Laura LaRue here. Whenever I'm in the potosphere, there's only one place to be. The Garbage Pod. Radio 1, the UK Top 14, FM Stereo. Right, now we've come to the last section of the show, and as you probably guessed from the intro, it's about 1980s music. A lot of people's introduction to chart music was creating a mixtape from the radio whilst listening to the Top 40 on Sunday evenings. The skill was pausing the recording just before the DJ spoke, and in my case, avoiding getting electrocuted as I listened to the Top 40 in the bath. This was until 1983, when EMI released something that changed the way that teenagers listened to music. This is where it all began. Now one, the first ever Now album. All the original hits on the original album. That's what I call music. The Now series is still in production, but recently I read an article with some shocking news. The Now What I Call Music um, series may be forced to come to an end later this year. The long-running and hugely popular music compilation is said to be in jeopardy due to the takeover of EMI by Universal Music. As part of the deal with the European Commission for Universal's £1.2 billion takeover of EMI, the label has agreed to sell EMI's 50% stake in the Now brand. The series is set to end with the upcoming edition, Now 83 which will be released in November, unless a buyer arrives to invest in the compilations. The current compilation in the series, Now 82, is currently the biggest selling album of the year, with sales of over 700,000. The series, since its launch in the UK, has sold over 100 million copies and continues to dominate the compilation chart with each new edition. It has been launched globally in countries including the United States, Argentina, Egypt and New Zealand. Industry experts have stated that the buyers for all parts of EMI are likely to arrive, especially the now series, because of its popularity. What do you reckon to that? Shocking. Yeah, big part of the childhood growing up to the now. Did you say 83 is when it was first yep. created? No, uh, November 1983. So it would almost be fitting if the last version was now 83. Well, no, I think it should be for its 30th anniversary next year. I think they at least keep it going until its 30th birthday and then let it go with a bang rather than a fizzle. But the next next edition would be next year, wouldn't it? Because you said they've done one this year already. They do three, three of them a year. Do they? Yeah, they do one at Easter, one at summer, one at Christmas. They always have. Well, they haven't always done that. It used to be yearly. No, it didn't. It always yeah. it was three times a year, every year. I don't remember that. Yeah, I can assure you it was because I've got most of them. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Do you also think the huge number of downloads has had an effect? I think you're probably right there. People but if but if you think about it, how days. how much does it cost to, to to download a track? Nothing. About seconds, isn't it now? No, yeah. I mean, how much does it cost? Nothing. If you're doing it legally, Adre. About two quid. <laughs> it's, it's about it's about eighty to ninety p a track. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. If you was to make your own compilation, right? How much is a now album? Twelve quid. Yeah. You couldn't do that. You couldn't get thirty-two songs. 
for that price. Even if half of them are crap. (laughs) That's true, because you just download the ones you want, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah, definitely take a look at the album and then download the ones you want. Or they also do deals on the albums, don't they? So it's normally, is it normally about eight, nine quid an album? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got, I've got a recording on. Uh, it's it on MP3 as well. One of the early uh, radio shows that I used to. Do. You know, I don't know if you remember, Adri. I used to do kind of tape versions of a radio show when I, me, yeah. when I was a kid, and I've got one where I actually mentioned Now Twelve, and I said on it, if you want to, if you want to buy Now Twelve, the best place to buy it from is Woolies because it's only six ninety nine. Oh, nice. See, Now 12 is one of my first memories of of the Now series. Actually, Now 12 is one of the most popular uh, of that series. I can see why, because uh, just thinking back to some of the songs on it, it's... Um, you've got Tiffany, I think we're alone now. Yeah, you've got uh, Bananarama, I Want You Back. Yeah, is it Johnny Hates Jazz that did Heart of Gold? Uh, oh, I can't remember that being on there. Is that on there? I'm sure that Heart of Gold's on there. I um, think it's on uh, LP One Side Two. All right. Um, I think it's the first track as well. It's either that or um, I'm sure it is. And what's the other one I'm thinking of on there? There's um, sort of Mary's Pe- Prayer. I think is that on now twelve? Be- yeah, Danny Wilson. Yeah, that's on there. Um, Salt and Pepper's Push It, that's on there. Yeah. Uh, S Express. Oh, Elton John, wow, I don't want to go on with you like that. Yeah, Johnny Hates Jazz, Heart of Gold. Yeah, I can't actually there. remember that on there, so. But uh, it's probably one of the ones I didn't play. <laughs> that's because it was, it was uh, It was definitely the second side of the first LP. Let's see. Are you actually on the Now What I Call Music website? Uh, I'm on the next best thing to that. Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, Sabrina, Boys, Summertime Love. Oh, there's a cheesy record, if ever I yeah, heard Yeah, Doctor and the Tardis as well. Yeah, that was good. That's that's the Time Lords. Now, the yeah. Time Lords are otherwise known as the KLF. Really? Yeah. Blimey. Otherwise known as the Jams, otherwise known as the... Ah, oh, what were they called? Something of Moo Moo. Ancients of Moomoo. The Ancients of Moomoo, that's, that's right, yeah. Yeah, the Jams, the Time Lords and the KLF. If you have a look, if you ever go on YouTube and look up Doctor in the TARDIS, um, there's a police car, an American police car, that's following one of the Daleks around. And it's actually got KLF written on it. Oh, right. Yeah, and um, just seeing one last track that I want to mention from those old uh, car wash. That was a classic. Rolls Royce. Yeah. I think everybody is possibly of a certain age has got a Now album in their collection. Yeah, whether they be LP, tape, CD. I have got Now 1 on tape and I've also got Now 1 on CD. They brought it out for the 25th anniversary and they made it look like an LP. And it's it's inside the cover. It's also got, you know, the little white dust covers that used to get in the LPs yes it's even got little miniature ones of those to put the CDs in that's awesome that's really good <laughs> I think I've got an original I've got now one four six nine 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. <laughs> what, all on CD or tape? On tape. Oh, brilliant. I seem to remember, I'm sure we've still got it in the record box at Mum's house, but we've got now 12, now 13, now 14, um, and possibly now 16, I think, on LP still at Mum's. See, the, good, the thing I used to like about the, the, the ones in the 80s, they really came up with some excellent ideas for the actual covers. Yeah. And now they're these CGI rubbish that they've got on there. That, I mean, Now 12 is a classic example of one yeah, of the best cover. Similar to like a, the Nevermind cover from the Nirvana album, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, floating in the water. swimming pool. Uh, the Now bit is um, three um, balls. Sort of yes. um, beach balls floating in the in the pool, and the now uh, what I call music bit is a diving board, and the twelve is in the bottom of the pool. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh wow! I hadn't. I honestly hadn't noticed that. <laughs> I'm actually looking. Oh at yeah, it. so it is. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. The twelve's at the bottom of the pool. So yeah, that's an awesome cover. Uh, one of my favourite ones is now nine, which came out in eighty seven. It doesn't look much when you look at it straight away, but if you look at the corners, it's a it's a ring binder, and then when you open up the the, the gatefold, yeah, it looks like um, the actual snappy bit in the middle, you know, the bit that holds the paper. Oh, brilliant! Um, well, I just want to apologise as well, dude, because I can see here it says serious chronology, and it's it. Uh... It does clearly say three a year, 11, 12, 13, or what, and 88, so I'm sorry. The reason why I know that is if you look at some of the covers, um, they're seasonal. So obviously now 12, seasonal, summertime. Not, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. swimming pool. Yeah. Um, some of the later ones with the CGI on it, you'll see like the one that comes out at Easter, there's in the background, you've got eggs. <laughs> Original kind of thing. Yeah. Another good one, uh, I think it would have been uh, 84, 85. Let's look at 85. Um, yeah, now six. Looks like the inside of a suit pocket, uh, suit jacket. It's got you've got the lining in silk, and you know where you have the little label sewed into the into a jacket. It's mm-hmm. the, the now what I call music logo is sewn into the silk of the inside of the jacket, and you've got an inside pocket with a pen sticking in it. Yeah, here's one for you there because I'm just I thought I could remember the cover, but couldn't remember exactly what we thought of it. But yeah, the now 13 cover is basically space. Yeah, with a rocket going horizontally across, a bit orange colour. Yeah, like you've got like all of the stars as like an orange cluster, and then the now is um, like planets with rings around them. Was that 1980? 88. 89, yeah. 89. So if we look at 89, you look at now what I call 15. Yeah. That's a summertime one. It's like now 12, but on a beach. Oh, right, okay. And now 16 came out in the autumn. It's like a firework display. Nice. So, yeah, they they, they were pretty much seasonal. So... Yeah, hopefully they will get a buyer. I mean, I can't see why they wouldn't get a buyer with that kind of record sales. Mm. It would be really stupid not to. It would be a good investment, as far as I can see. When it comes to discussions about music, there's one question that is always asked. Can anyone tell me what that question is? Why did Bananarama team up with Jennifer Saunders and Dawn French to sing Help? 
for comic relief? No. <laughs> John, do you know? No, I can't think. Go on. Well, it's normally, what was the first record you ever bought? Uh, that would be the sensible question. I'll kick off with mine. It was Ant Rap by Adam and the Ants. Oh, okay. From 1980. Well, it was released in 81, but didn't get in the charts till like 82. How about yourself, John? Um, well, I didn't really discover music until mid to late 90s. Oh, right. So, um, relatively recent stuff, really. Um, I can't remember what the first one I bought would be. No, I can't think. Because I, I got into music quite early. I was about eight or nine when I started getting into music. Mm. I got into it a bit earlier as well because my, my older brother, who I should name right now, he's like five years older than me, so... Well, you, you normally listen to what your older siblings are listening to, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, I think the first one I bought, though, um, I'm pretty sure it was actually... Because we're alongside the Now records, you also had the, the Monster hit, Hits. The Hits albums, yeah. That's it, and I think my first album that I bought was the Hits 8 that was the one that was a black cover with a kind of a box-like number eight in the middle. Yeah, that was the one. So I'm, I think that was the first one I bought. Yeah, I've got that one as well. <laughs> I've got hits five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. And is it? I think is it Monster Hits Eight that had? I can't remember the name of the the artist, but it's like oh, if you leave your name and your number. We'll get right back to you. No, that would have been later than that. Would that have been later? I think that might have been nine. Nine, I think. What was the name of the artist? That would have been... Well, there was two artists that did that, actually. There was Originally, it was Curiosity Killed the Cat. That's what I was looking for, yeah. And then De La Soul did a version of it. Oh, did they? Hmm. That was called Ring, 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 their version. Right, whilst you're looking into that, I'm going to find out what Lloyd's first music that he bought was. Uh, I'm not, never have been a great music fan, but I do remember purchasing my first LP, and I think it was Kate Sobrano's Brave album. And the first cassette I purchased was, let me think, was Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. Isn't that a long time ago? So that was that was that was really good. And cassette players. Now you kids wouldn't know how to work them today, let alone record players or LP things. But um, they were what we, you know, and we treated our records and cassettes uh, in the proper manner. And now it's just throw them around and you know CDs. Have you ever seen children with CDs or DVDs? Straight down on the surface, scratched, broken, and that's it. And we realised that we weren't going to get another one if we didn't look after it, and that was drummed into us. And I think a lot of the, the, the auto-discipline that happened in those days is gone now, which is quite sad, and I think it is a direct result of all these kids growing up being absolute you-know-whats. They haven't enough discipline because they've got too many rights. Now, obviously, you have to protect children... Um, that are being abused, but um, you know these parents that don't believe in disciplining them in any form, and I'm not talking about corporal punishment, and they get away with it, and they're going to grow up to be horrible, horrible adults. But we did all right. 
I reckon the 80s were okay. More than okay, I thought the, the 80s was excellent. <laughs> I think it was the best decade to be growing up in. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I agree, 80s and then bursting into the, ni- uh, certainly early 90s as well, I think it was it was definitely a great time to be growing up in with the amount of original music, TV, just the whole atmosphere around the country. Obviously, the country had its problems at the time, but with everything that was going on with, with trying to get poll tax abolished and whatnot, but at the same time, you know, you could you could go outside and play on the green. You always talk to your neighbours. There was a real community atmosphere around. I think that was one thing that really missed kind of nowadays, that only in certain areas will you get that community feel. Well, I think that probably changed this year a little bit with the Olympics and everything. There was that spirit was kind of there. Yeah, but it's it's not so much now though, really, is it? It was it was there and present during the summer, it seems, but it's kind of back to normal now. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right there. Now, Lloyd was talking about a, um, an artist called Kate Sobrano, I think her name was. Um, she didn't actually get released over in the UK and I was talking to Lloyd about her and um, I established that uh, one of Lloyd's reasons for buying her album was the same reason why I used to buy Paul or Abdul's. <laughs> he thought she was hot. Oh yes. <laughs> and I used to think Paula Abdul was hot until she um, married Emilio Estevez. <laughs> she married Emilio Estevez? Yeah. Someone had to. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, they didn't, though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they got the wrong brother, didn't they? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> or the white brother, depending on which way around you want to look at it. But another interesting fact on uh, the stuff that. Lloyd was going on about there um, he, he mentioned that his first cassette was Brothers in Arms by um, Dire Straits and uh, the interesting fact about that album is it was the first ever album to be released on CD really? yeah wow <laughs> was there a lot that were released in batch or was literally that was the first one and then there was about three or four at the time yeah but uh, that was the first but that was the first one to come out yeah you're listening to the garbage pod. Where your input is our output. So, that's about it for the show tonight. Uh, and in the words of the great Ray Cokes, this show is so packed it should go on holiday. Nice. And don't forget, there's more information about us and the shows on the Garbage Pod website. You can find us at the Garbage Pod, or one word, dot weebly. There you'll also find the blog, the video vault, as well as links to Twitter, Facebook, our RSS feed, and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes there. If you have any memories or stories about the 80s that you would like to share with the listeners, or anything else you would like to get in touch about, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com. That would be fantastic if you could. I'd like to thank Lloyd Bailey for his input into the show and, of course, Adri and John, because without them, this show would have been a bit one-sided. It's a pleasure, Mark, (laughs) and it's always good to speak to you as well, John. And to you both. So it leaves me only to say, well, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. It's good night from him. It's good night from them. Take care, one and all, and I'll speak to you again soon.
The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.